back before 13. Let's go to verse 11. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. <clears throat> and I'm in the New Living, but you can be in whatever version you want to be in. Let's go back to verse 1. <laughs> I'm going to read the first part. Paul was speaking to Timothy here, who was like his son, and he says that to him. He says, now, Timothy, my dear son, be strong with the special favor God gives you in Christ Jesus. How many of you believe you got some special favor in your life today? I'll tell you one favor you got is being baptized in the Holy Ghost so you can sense the move of the Holy Spirit. He said, you have heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Amen. We have some reliable witnesses in here today, too. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. That's why we congregate in the Lord's house. That's why it's so important, because we're supposed to pass these truths on. Paul magnified that many times in his letters. He said, I'm passing on to you what I have received. How many of you received the Holy Ghost? How many of you received salvation? How many of you received healing? Even though there's sickness in the world and every time we pray, people don't get healed. But that doesn't mean we're not going to pray. He said, these are my witnesses. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. We became witnesses. A lot of people don't like the Holy Spirit. Well, it gives us power. I'll tell you another thing it gives us is confidence. Because the enemy will try to shipwreck your faith and take your praise and worship out of your mouth. And when he does that, you lose your confidence. I think praise and confidence go hand in hand. That's why the psalmist said, I'll enter his courts. I'll enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Thank God. Verse 3, he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And as Christ's soldier, do not let yourself be tied up in the affairs of this life. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We have a blessed hope, which is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ one day. We know that we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We know the great I am. We know the one that gives us confidence. We know the one that has the truth. And we're going to look at, you know why he said I am? Because that substantiates his lordship over everything. I'm Lonnie. I am Lonnie. I'm pretty familiar with Lonnie. I know the power that I have and the power that I don't have. I know my shortcomings. I know the things that easily beset me. I know all about me. 
but I'm not God. He claimed to be God. The devil has been on a crusade to deny his lordship since the fall. There's only one God, one Lord, one baptism, one church, one Holy Ghost. What we try to do sometimes is to break the Holy Ghost down to where he'll fit into what we want. I don't need a manageable God. I need a wild, unmanageable, loving, passionate. You know, God is passionate toward his people. And where there's passion, there's a lot going on. I better get on with it. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work. Just an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. Hard-working farmers are the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will give you understanding in all these things. We need to be like Solomon also. He said, give me wisdom and understanding. Solomon had everything else that he could possibly want. And a lot of his wants got him in some bad trouble. But he said, give me wisdom and understanding. And that's we need a lot of that in today's world. Paul warned that we would be tossed to and fro by every new doctrine. I've been here 16 years. I've been a Christian for almost 40 now. And I've seen so many things come and go. So many things pass through churches, pass through my life. People saying, go over here, there's the Messiah. Go over there. This is going on. That's going on. This is going on. We always come back to the basics, though. And that's what is our belief built on. It's belief that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do. We always come back to that. Have you ever noticed that? Pentecostal people always come back to who he is and the power. We like that power. We like to feel like that we have a blessing in our life, that we're different. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will give you understanding in all these things. Never forget that Jesus Christ was a man born under King David's family and that he was raised from the dead. Jeremy mentioned on Wednesday that you don't hear much about the resurrection anymore. You don't hear a whole lot of teaching on the resurrection. One of the reasons is because the devil wants the church, even some in the church, deny the resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Liberal theologians sometimes deny that there was a resurrection. Well, as Jeremy said on Wednesday, without the resurrection, we are people without hope. Because if he stayed on the cross and stayed in the grave, then we're going to end up the same way in the grave. But guess what? The Bible tells me that one day there's going to be a rumbling and there's going to be a movement. And it's not only going to be a spiritual move, it's going to be a geological move. All these geologists that think that they figured out, they're always finding, and I've shared this so many times, but I keep on going back to it. Once a year, they'll find some skull or some something somewhere, and they'll say, this thing is a billion, two hundred thousand million years old. And they keep on doing this every year. And the purpose behind that is to deny what the Bible says about God's creation. He was a man born 
from the family of David, and he was raised from the dead. That makes me happy. I didn't think a lot about how many sermons I've heard until Jeremy mentioned it. If he, Romans teaches that if he's been raised from the dead, then when we believe in him, we are raised from the dead. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He led captivity captive. So if you're a captive of something, turn it over to him and he'll take that captivity and turn that around on the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, which we just did, the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. What happens is when you pass from darkness into light, you don't fear death. You don't look for it, but you don't fear it. I have the, I'm going to be resurrected. I've already had one resurrection. I get two. Think about it a minute. Y'all, there's only one resurrection. No, I was resurrected and raised from the dead the day he saved me and I had a belief in him. But there's going to come another rising up no matter where you are, alive or dead. You're going to, I don't know which one would I prefer. Do I want the live one or do I want the grave to open up? I've decided I'll take whatever he decides. They're both winners. <laughs> Can you imagine the scene when the graves start opening? Who's going to rise first? The dead in who? In Christ. The dead in Christ. So there's not going to be any. Wait a minute. Count me in. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are still alive. Either way we go, we have hope. We have a blessed hope. And who's that hope based in? Based in him and his resurrection. I I haven't even got to the sermon. He said, this is the good news that I preach. This is the good news that you preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. Now, I can't say that, but Paul could. There's people in many lands today that are chained like a criminal because of their belief in Jesus. But the word of God cannot be chained. Hallelujah. I remember when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, and he encountered the guy coming out of the tombs. They used to chain him and chain him up, and they said he could break the chains because he was so full of demonic power. Nobody would even mess with him. He lived in the the graves. When they saw him coming, they all went away. Well, guess what? When he saw Jesus coming, he ran and bowed at his feet. He couldn't be chained. He was chained man, but Jesus set him free. He turned his life instantly just like that. And he said, well, let me go with you. He said, no, go back and tell everybody else what I did for you. He gave him power. He made him a witness. You can't chain the Word of God. That's the power that overcomes all the chains. See, we try to chain things up in our, in our human wisdom and understanding. But the understanding of God breaks spiritual chains. Let's go on. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation 
and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. I believe I'm chosen. But I believe I had a choice also. I'm chosen with a choice. Now we go to verse 11. It says, this is a true saying. Now listen to this. If we die with him, we will live with him. You know when death occurs, there's a physical death, but there's also a death of self. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But when we turned our life over to him, we were born again. Contained and born again is the past sins are covered, present sins are covered, and we're no longer appointed to judgment or the wrath of God. We don't have to worry about wrath. Do we sin? Sometimes, yes, we do, and we, we come short of the glory of God, but we're not appointed to judgment. We're, we have stepped into God's mercy. And because if we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. How many of you have had some hardship in your life this past year, this past 10 years, this past 20 years? He said, well, if you endure hardship, you'll reign with him. Look what else he says. If we deny him, he will deny us. Well, is that God's character? He gives mankind a clear choice. If everybody just goes to heaven no matter what, then this whole thing has just been. You know how we know it's real, though, the words of the Lord? Because it's settled in heaven. What makes people like us, what makes Christians all over the world this morning, or some of them are a day ahead of us, what makes them believe? Because they think on a different level than the world does. The world thinks about worldly things. Now, you say, well, we're pretty worldly Christians. We're but No, we're not worldly. We're blessed. I think there's a difference between being worldly and being blessed. We understand why are we all here? Why is this continued for all these years? Because the Spirit of God is hovering over those that He has chosen, and they can expect that God will do what He says He will do. Let's go on. If we deny him, he will deny us. Now, I believe in the Holy Ghost with everything within me, but I believe that everybody that acts like they're in the Holy Ghost might not be in the Holy Ghost sometimes. We've got to be careful. We've got to have discerning of spirits. God will always confirm what happens with his word. If we are unfaithful... He remains faithful. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above in wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. 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 If we are unfaithful, which we are, he remains faithful. And why does he do it? Look at this. Look at, the, look at the end of verse 13. He cannot deny himself. 
or he cannot deny who he is. Well, who is he? You ready back there on the computer? We're going to zip through some things right here. John 6.35. Go with me. We're going to. John 6.35. Say, I got it when you got it. Okay. Let me find it. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. We talked last week about the staples. What's in the middle of every table is centered around meal. And what do we need to survive? We need bread and we need water and we need the light. Jesus claimed to be all those things. He said, I'm the bread. He didn't complicate it. Every table you go to, there's bread. 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 I'm the bread of life. Wow. Go to 8.12. John 8.12. You know, in the summertime when the tomatoes come on. There ain't nothing like a BLT, is there? When you get a nice ripe tomato, it's just oozing with tomato acid. Oh, man. Oh, man, I'm getting hungry already. There's nothing like a big old round tomato. Those of you that grow them know just what I'm talking about. You wait for it to get ripe. <laughs> And you get that tomato out, finally you got it. It's like gold. And then you get the lettuce out, and then you fry up a little bit of bacon. I know we're not supposed to eat bacon, but we're imperfect people, okay? And we have a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. But you know what comes first is the bread. You can't have a sandwich without the bread. You can't have a tomato, tomato, lettuce, and bacon sandwich. The basis from what you start with is the bread. And when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, that means that's where we start is with the bread to make what God wants us to be. Is that a good analogy? If it's not, I've got another one. Look what else he said in, in John chapter 8 and verse 12. Let me find it here, too. Jesus said to the people, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you have the light that leads to life. He claimed to be the bread of life, and then he claimed to be the light of the world. Light makes a big difference in our lives, doesn't it? The light of the Holy Ghost. Let's see what else he says. How about uh, chapter 10 and verse 7? He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. Let's go to verse 7. 
He says, I am the gate. I'm the gate. In other words, he's the way in. He's the bread. He'll sustain you in the wilderness like he did the children of Israel. He's the light so that we don't stumble around in darkness. How many of you remember the days when all you did was stumble around? Everything. (laughs) Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We don't have to walk in the darkness. And he said, I'm the gate. We all understand what a gate does. It lets you in or it keeps you out. The devil wants to keep us enclosed. He wants our faith boxed up in this little box that will rise up every now and then. But Jesus said, I'm the gate. I'm the doorkeeper. All who want can enter in and I'll sup with him if you let me in. I'm the gate. Look what else. Go to verse. Oh, man. Verse 11. What's he say? I am the what? The good shepherd. Wow. Go to verse 36. And then he's really going to get in trouble here. (laughs) Here's where the trouble really gets going. Verse 35 said, And you know that the Scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's, Why do you call it blasphemy when the Holy One who was sent unto the world by the Father says, I am the Son of God? Humanism, liberalism will deny His Godship. We're living under that same spirit today. He said, I am the Son of God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he's the son of God? That he rules over everything? He said, I am the son of God. Boy, that'll make religious people really mad. It hasn't changed. If you went out on the street today or into a restaurant today and asked people, what do you think about Jesus? The majority of people would not give him the place that he's due. Because you've got to have a revelation of that. You've got to have a revelation of who he is. It's not good enough to just treat him as a friend. Yes, he is our friend. But we have to have a revelation that he is the Savior of the world. Go to verse, or chapter 11, verse 25. Chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus told her, Who was he telling? Anybody remember this story? Telling Martha and Mary, wasn't he? He said, I am the resurrection. And the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. He said, I'm the resurrection. He created the resurrection spirit. In the Psalms, David proclaimed that his soul would not be left in hell. That he would give his angels charge over him. And when Jesus came on the scene claiming those things, boy, it riled up a lot of people. You want to get people riled up, just say that he is. I am, he said. The resurrection. Go to chapter 14 and verse 6. Hang with me now. We're almost done. 
chapter 14 and verse 6. He says, I am the way. How many of you want to go to heaven? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Well, that can be arranged also if you'd rather not. <laughs> Let's try that again. How many of you want to go to heaven? Class. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> you don't get to the end of this and say, oh, I really don't want to go. I was just playing, you know. <laughs> He said, if you want to go to heaven, I am the way. After he says, I'm the bread, I'm the light, I'm the door, I'm the shepherd, I'm the resurrection. Then he says, I'm the way to the resurrection. I'm the way to the light. I'm the way. And then he says, I'm the truth. What's truth? Truth is the final reality. The final reality is, is one day he's coming back. And we need to be part of his family. And then he said, and the life. The Bible says in heaven that he gives the light and the light. He he provides everything that we need. What else does he say? We'll go to chapter 15 and verse 1. He said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Think about that for a minute. He said, I am the true vine. I want to show you the power in the I am. We all know where this came from. Moses was given a commandment to go speak to Pharaoh. Moses said, who shall I tell them has sent me? Think about it a minute. It's not a frivolous thing to claim you're God. He said, who should I tell him has sent me? See, he realized that his human weaknesses would hold him back. Many people say he had a speech impediment, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all that to be true. He was slow of speech. But he went before Pharaoh and he said, tell him I am sent you. I am. And then he said, I am that I am. I mean, I have a hard time wrapping my head around I am that I am. Because we're all generated, we're offspring, we all come from a seed, but he originated I am. He has the authority to say I am. And the Jews in that time in the wilderness, once they were released, Pharaoh even realized that he couldn't mess in the long run with the I am. So we've got to realize the magnitude of Jesus claiming that he was God and he is I am because that attacked everything that they believed in. That was Moses' authority. He is the bread of life. He's where the sandwich started. He put, holds everything together. He said, I am. Then there's a scene in the book of John. Where Jesus was in the garden praying. And they came after him with swords and clubs. and We all know the story of how he was in agony. And, and they came to arrest him. And I love his reply when they came after him. Now think about this for a minute. 
This is the great example of Christ laying down his life when he didn't have to. Human nature is to go, who's this Jesus guy? Uh, it's him. Over here. Not me. They came and said, he stood up to him and he said, who do you seek? It's just a, a confirmation of what happened in the Old Testament. He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Think about it a minute. Our Lord knew the Scripture. He always went back to what he was taught as a child. He said, who do you seek? And we know how Peter drew the sword and tried to be the hero at the end. That's why I love Peter. He always did things that were off the cuff. But as many times as he did crazy things, the Lord crazily forgave him, passionately forgave him. He said, I like the spirit this boy's got. <laughs> See, in the earthly realm, you can't get enough swords. Jesus said, put your sword away after he cut off Malchus's ear. He said, put your sword away because this has to be fulfilled. You can't have enough swords to fight our battle on a physical level. Think about that. I could tell everybody in here next week to bring every sword you got, but there's a bigger army in the flesh than we are. But we have been equipped with what sword? Sword of the Spirit, Word of God. See, that's what cuts. It's a two-edged what? A lot of times where we get in trouble is denying His Lordship and trying to do it in the physical realm and make things different, change things in the physical realm. Now, we have power because we're Christians, and we should stand up for our country. But the final battle that we're going to endure is the battle of spirituality, whether we believe in God or not. The greatest trick of Satan is to keep people from believing that He is God, that He is the I Am. In the garden, he said, you got enough to eat? I'm paraphrasing now, so don't nitpick on this. They said, yeah, we can eat off of every tree except that one right there, God said. And Satan denied his lordship right there. That's where the battle was raging. Isn't it interesting? What did God put at the entrance to Eden after he etchelayed them or kicked them out of the, uh, the garden? What did he put there? A what? A flaming sword, wasn't it? Think about that for a minute. And how did we get back to the garden? How do we have access again? Through the sword of the Spirit, through the Word of God, we can get back to the garden. Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I love what happens next. (laughs) Everybody gear up for this. Everybody knows where this is going. This should get you excited. 
He uses the same words here that were used in the Old Testament that he substantiated all through the book of John. John was very close. He was the beloved disciple. He kept on telling people who he was, what they needed to believe. This is what's going to happen. And they came into the garden that night, and he said, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. I am he. And you know what it says happened? They all fell backwards on the ground. That ought to make you happy. Because when he says, I am, Jeremy sang a song today with the, with the worship team that said, I am a child of God. Well, what authority do I have to say that I am a child of God? Because he is the I am and he says I am. So when we sing, I'm a child of God. Some people, oh, well, that's pretty presumptuous. You can't presume those things. You know, there's faiths that teach you you can't know whether you're saved or not. Well, listen, I know I'm saved. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I know I'm saved is because I believe in a risen Lord. I don't believe that he stayed on the cross or he stayed in the grave. I believe he's alive today, that he came out of the grave, that he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he makes intercession for me. And he knows me by name. He knows me by the nail prints in his hand. He knows my name because I know know his name. That's my authority. I am because he is. And then I go back to where we started in 2 Timothy. You know what the world wants to do? They want to deny that he is God. Started in the garden. Every miracle and everything that happened... There had to be a great belief behind it. Oh, the guy, the, the official that came from, from Capernaum to Cana. Think about that. That's a 20 mile walk from Capernaum to Canaan. And there was this high official who really had legal authority over Jesus. They had legal authority. But he was in Capernaum and he heard about the I am performing miracles. And he heard that he was in the region at Cana. So he went from Capernaum to Cana. And he said, Lord, come and heal my son. He's almost to the point of death. The scripture says that he begged him to come. He begged him to come. And Jesus said, well, okay. I'll do some more miracles. See, our infirmities touch the heart of God. If we turn, and this man who had made this long walk that had authority over Jesus because he was in charge of that region, he said, Come and heal my son. And just as Jesus did so many times, he said, Go home, your son's going to be all right. And it says, He believed and started on his way. Who did he believe in? He believed that Jesus said who he was, and he believed what Jesus said. He said, I am. He believed in the I am. 
I can imagine me there saying, God, I got this problem. I want you to deal with this problem, blah, 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 sometimes. And he said, go home. I'll take care of it. The I am can take care of the needs in our lives. This ruler believed in the I am. Then he starts home because I am said, go home. He starts home and he gets about halfway home. And the story says that he runs into his servants coming in the other direction. Think about it. All that time he's thinking about, he had faith. He had faith to believe, but I wonder if any kind of doubt entered in. Think about it. He's on that road, that 20-mile walk. You can think of a lot of things on a 20-mile walk. There's a lot of things that can run through your mind, just like a lot of things can run through our mind nowadays. Reasons not to believe and things that the enemy will want us to deny his lordship. And he said, he went in faith, he believed, and on the way he ran into his servants that said, your son's healed. I know some of you are waiting for a lot of healings in here, a lot of promises. But God doesn't lie. The reason I shared all the I am things is because when they asked him who he was, he had to tell him he couldn't deny himself. That's why if we deny him, he can deny us. Because he couldn't deny himself and he's the rule maker. And that official, you know what he said? They said, your son is healed. And he said, well, when did this happen? (laughs) Come on. Come on. I mean, come on. You can't write a fiction story. God's word is better than any fiction that can be written. God, God has an imagination that captivates the hearts and spirits of people because there's truth in it. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He exhibited all those three things to that ruler in his relationship over that guy's son. He's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. I'm the light of the world, he says. <laughs> I'm the resurrection. And he said, when did this happen? And they said, I'm paraphrasing again. They said, about one o'clock yesterday. (laughs) About one o'clock yesterday. See, back then they couldn't just Facebook somebody and say, it's okay. It took a while to get good news around back then. And the enemy fought him every step of the way. Can you imagine how overjoyed the servants were? Because he said, you stay here with my boy. He's dying. They, he said, I'm going to go see this Jesus. You know how he approached Jesus? Listen to me, man. i got to stop. But here's what he said. He said, Lord, come and heal my son. You know what the term Lord means? It's the one that's been given power and authority over things. Even though he was a legal ruler of Jesus in those times in the flesh, he recognized him as Lord, the one that had power and authority over everything else. Listen, the day is going to come when the sky splits open and he's going to be revealed and people are going to recognize his power and authority without question. And they will call him Lord. I got to finish the story. 
When did he get better? See, this was a uh, this was a two day trip he was on. They said yesterday about one in the afternoon, and it said he realized in his heart, he realized that that was about the time that Jesus said, "Go home, your son's going to be okay." Now tell me that ain't God. Tell me that ain't God. Tell me that ain't supernatural. Tell me that only I am can do that. Only I am can do that. That's the God that we serve today. And then it said the official went back home and his whole household, guess what happened? What happened? They got saved. Remember how we've talked about the five senses in here, how we're limited by our senses? Sight, hearing, smell, taste. What's the other one? Touch. We're limited by them. You know how I can believe that God hears my prayer today and God's touched with my infirmities and things like that because of this example we just read? Jesus said to him, I don't have to go over there. I'll just go home. He'll be all right. That's the God that we serve. That's the great I am.